welcome to Navigating Identity. Here is episode two of one-to-one interviews. This interview was amazing and I had such a good time. Hannah is fun, articulate, passionate and incredibly intelligent. I had such a good time picking her brain and finding out what makes her who she is. We discuss what it was like for Hannah growing up mixed race. We talk about her struggle in navigating her identity. We discuss intersectional feminism and the war on women's reproductive rights and just racist things in general. So I hope you like it. What do you study? I study English and sociology, so I'm doing joint honours. Okay, amazing. So tell me about that. Why English and sociology? Um, to be honest, so I did them both at A level. Um, uh, and obviously, I'd always like English. I'd always love reading from really young, so it just sort of made sense to me to do English. But sociology was something that was quite new to me. Like obviously, doing it A level, I found it really interesting because it was sort of like bits of different subjects that I liked all put into one. Um, I think it was sort of for the first time it really kind of it sounds a bit, <laughs> sounds a bit cheesy but it kind of opened my eyes to the stuff that was going on around in the world and that really interested me and I also just had a really really good teacher who was the best um and he sort of really inspired me to take it further so then I thought I'd do it at uni um which has its difficulties obviously doing two subjects you've got you know two loads of reading especially English and sociology it's just reading 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 um but yeah, I am glad I definitely did both of them. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd have done either of them separately. They work really well together, like as a combination. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll like do a reading for sociology and then like next semester I'll have already done it for a reading for English. So sometimes it works out that way. Sometimes they're on different sides of the spectrum, but um, yeah, it works well. So like for you, what is the link between uh, English and sociology? I think the link is probably sort of the critical side to it. Obviously, both of them, you really need to have your independent critical thinking hat on. Um, so I think for me personally, I just like looking into things a bit deeper. Um, and obviously, both English and sociology, you have to have a really critical mind. You can't just take things at face value. So, yeah, I think that's one of the things that I enjoy because you know I'm that I was probably that really annoying kid who was always asking why when they were younger yeah. so that's kind of stuck with me throughout the years. I think it's really important to ask why I think now more than more than ever in terms of like social issues um like what are some things that you're concerned about or some things that you're most passionate about changing? So some of the things I'm most passionate about are uh, women's rights. I went to this March maybe about a year ago which was a reclaim the night march um which is something still obviously relevant today with obviously all the stuff that's been going on down at headingley stadium yeah um which basically was, was a group of women like around our age and we went on this march around town um basically just protesting for safety for women at night which was a really terrifying experience um you would have thought people wouldn't have an issue with women protesting for their safety but a lot of people did have an issue with it and quite abusive towards us oh um, wow yeah so that was a I'm, I'm definitely glad I went because it was really nice to see other women standing up for the things that 
we believe in and it was nice having that kind of solidarity but at the same time you see that there are people out there who actually want to have a go at you just for standing up for yourself which is crazy because you'd think no one would have an issue with you know women just saying we'd like to be safe at night please um yeah obviously some people do have an issue with that so um yeah I think the the system of patriarchy definitely had an issue with that one um and I think it's definitely like such an, an issue that we as I don't know any any woman that doesn't feel like unsafe you know I think that like that's kind of maybe the common one of the common connections of womanhood mm-hmm. is that like you you are constantly worried you know for your for your safety but you kind of like live with it like it's almost yeah. something you're very hypersensitive and you're very like concerned and then if you're not then that's concerning to me yeah, um, as, as well like why do you think that there was um again like such a, a backlash you know with people being like not not accepting that you wanted to be safe as a woman um honestly I think most of it were the um I will say it was men who had the sort of middle-aged men who had an issue with it I do think it, it was to me it was like oh we have an issue with women being loud with women sort of like staking their claim for their rights like I think maybe the sort of loud assertiveness was threatening to them I don't know like we had a lot of different responses like one of the when we were sort of walking up in towards town um one of the first sort of responses we got was we were doing a chant and this other guy was just shouting Nando's 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 over us and we were all just like what are you what are you getting yeah. from that so I think that's just sort of typical laddishness that we were getting and then sort of further on we were getting up towards the pubs and um there was a man who was you know obviously drunk which is no excuse but he was definitely drunk who um we were again chanting and he said he was gonna knock our heads off which was quite scary um and I think yeah a lot of it is just feeling threatened by women actually taking a stand and not really I guess maybe it's just sort of a a natural response to them like you know don't don't make a fuss about it just keep quiet about it and obviously that's not something we were gonna do I think, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I know that the stats um, for Leeds in comparison to other places in the country when it comes to sexual assault are pretty high. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite it's quite worrying. I don't know why it's the way that it is, but it is definitely worrying. And I think as well, like as a student in, in Leeds, that's something that I'm quite like hypersensitive to. Mm-hmm. I know there's other people like that are happy to like, live in places like Hyde Park and I didn't even think Headingley was that bad until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm constantly like hypersensitive, wanting to be as close to the city and close to kind of the university as possible, mm-hmm. just for the sense of like my safety. Um, but I think I'm not sure if you've heard about, you know, like Poland. Yeah, and yeah, yeah I, I think that's such an amazing example of like solidarity for mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. and, you know, I have no, honestly, the war with women's reproductive rights is absolutely, like, insane. And I think that, like, for me, I see that as, like, what power can you have over 
like what true power can you have over a person that's over mm-hmm. their body and mm-hmm. i'm thinking with um you know the banning abortions in, in all in all of like poland is quite significant and i'm so great i'm so glad that there's like women you know that they've over a million of them have stopped working they said no yeah. we're not doing it so we're gonna to and we're gonna protest because i think there is a lot of this like pro-life and pro-choice which doesn't actually make any sense to me (laughs) um but I do think it's kind of like really important to see I don't know if you know I don't know if you know Gloria Steinem Steinem. Uh, the name sounds familiar yeah she's like the feminist of the feminist and she kind (laughs) of makes this yeah she's like true feminist like poster girl for feminism Mm -hmm. she was the poster girl the second wave of feminism and she's still alive but she uh, did a podcast of Jamelia Jamil I think you know Jamelia yeah. yeah and she was saying that when you look at kind of like um, regimes or like systems of oppression um, like women's reproductive rights are the first thing to go like if you like and I didn't even I didn't know this in the sense mm-hmm. of like Hitler Hitler's regime well, that's one of the first um, policies he came out with he like yeah. banned abortion mm-hmm. and the doctors that were like you know doing that were killed but then the women's the women were sent to prison and forced to have children and I think that's quite interesting just in general not just like abortions but just the patriarchy's desire to have control over women's bodies mm. which is just essentially wanting control over over women I don't know if you have any thoughts on that yeah um it's something I've been reading up on it recently because I've been um, studying some Victorian literature and I was reading about the Contagious Diseases Act um, and sort of how that restricted the freedom of prostitutes, like uh, prostitutes would be forced into prisons and made to stay there if they had syphilis and they basically died there and it was, they basically blamed it on the prostitutes rather than the men they were sleeping with because obviously the men were of a high status, they were like okay we can lob this issue off on the prostitutes um and obviously i you know what we've been talking about about going on in poland right now it's it's crazy how it's still the same stuff the same control over women's bodies that's going on hundreds of years later which seems so insane and just such a non-issue um like it's nice to see all the women coming together in Poland and, re- and like protesting it. But at the same time, it's like, how many times, how long are we going to have to keep doing this? And how long is it going to keep being an issue when it really shouldn't be one? Um, so I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't know if we yeah. ever will. But, um, I don't know what it's going to take for it to stop being such a huge issue. Like for you personally, like how do you navigate being a woman in in kind of like a patriarchal system? Worried me, that you're going to walk at night and you know awful things are going to happen. Yeah, um, for me personally, I yeah identify very strongly as a feminist, an intersectional feminist, and you know I live in Hyde Park. This is my second year of living in Hyde Park. And it is terrifying. Like I, I never go out at night. I would never walk around. I don't even once it's dark, I won't go out um and I live with three other girls and I know it's all the same for them um because I've you know we've all had a lot of experience every woman has had experiences of unwanted attention unwanted aggression and I think that for me personally I'm fed up (laughs) like the way that I sort of used to react to it was just sort of ignore it um 
because I didn't really want to give them the attention because I knew that was what they wanted. Like if I was, you know, out in a club and someone like groped me or something, I would just pretend it didn't happen. Whereas after a while, I just sort of got really, really fed up and I would just start being really aggressive and sort of pointing it out to them, being like, you can't do this, which, you know, in a lot of ways, it doesn't do anything because they're not going to take any notice but for me personally it feels better to stand up for myself than to just ignore it. obviously everyone has their own way of dealing with it but I myself I like to kick up a fuss because you never know what's going to change their mind like if I can go and get a security guard and get them kicked out of a club I'm going to do that because it serves them right but um, I know obviously everyone has their own way of dealing with things but I thought I think I sort of turned to not aggression but action more more is the right word yeah well I mean I mean we should be angry <laughs> we should be angry but I mean like if I'm angry as a black woman they're like oh there you go again yeah. angry black woman it's yeah. another thing but I think that um yeah I think more women should be angry and I think uh, more women should stand up for themselves and obviously like it's dependent on the situation like in some places like it's not appropriate appropriate to say something back because you're that's going to make it worse for you. I mean, so in some places, you just got to go, leave, run away, you know, mm-hmm. instead of fighting back in that way, physically or aggressively, merely because then it might turn into a deadly situation. Mm-hmm. So obviously never, I would say, never let that thing happen. But some sometimes, like, there is just power in walking away and putting yourself in less danger than as if you were to speak um, up right there and then in the moment. But I think there's always... I don't know, I think it's always uh, it's so hard to navigate being a woman in this it world. Is. It's impossible. But you can't do anything imp- right. Ever. Yeah. But you did say, you did refer to yourself as an intersectional feminist instead of just a feminist. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think it's very, very, very important to acknowledge that although women do have a lot of experiences in common, there are certain differences in different groups of women that affect your experience of being like you talked about the whole angry black woman trope um there's obviously a difference between white feminism and intersectional feminism um and I think it's really important that we try and understand that a lot of women have different experiences that aren't really being heard and weren't maybe acknowledged in certain waves of feminism but I think it is definitely getting better in terms of talking about, specifically in terms of black feminism, I think is really coming to terms with stuff nowadays. Um, like I think, obviously me, be, I'm mixed race. Um, and I know a lot of times that it's the whole fetishization of the mixed race woman is something that I've come across a lot, which wasn't really something that I realized until I sort of started going out clubbing and guys would come up to me and talk about my caramel skin. I was just like, I'm not a chocolate base. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, my blind. Um, so yeah, I think it is very, very important to understand that not all women have the same experiences and that we need to sort of address some of the specific areas where certain women are being treated differently because of race, disability, class, whatever. Yeah, I think there's so many issues with like white feminism. Mm-hmm. I think white feminist white feminism is just like uh not very inclusive. I think no, it comes not. from a, a very standpoint of, of privilege. I think kind of like race is how 
problematic white women have been mm-hmm. <laughs> and are mm-hmm. <laughs> and in causing in, in allowing kind of systems of oppression to happen to you know black women and, and women of color and I think that's a conversation that we need to have and I think we need to have as as women I think for me like I think, first of all, there's always this controversy of like, one, there's this controversy of women in general identifying themselves as a feminist. And then there's the second controversy, then you identifying yourself as a feminist and then only being attached to white feminism Mm -hmm. or participating in white feminism that doesn't really like benefit you. Mm -hmm. So I mean, firstly, like, why do you think there are women, you know, especially women like Gen Z, millennials, millennials? that say um that like aren't feminists they're like they're crying like I'm not a feminist like why do you think there's people like that personally I've never understood it myself I think the people who do say that just don't understand what feminism means I mean it's really easy just give it a google search and you'll get it (laughs) but um I think a lot of people see it as like men bashing um which I hate I hate the phrase men bashing um I'm um, down, I've never heard of women bashing before. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think a lot of people have an issue just with the word that it has femme in it. Um, so I think a lot of people just assume that it's a bunch of angry women who hate men um, and they want to make all these drastic changes and upset the status quo, um, which is for some reason seen as a bad thing. But um yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people I've talked to, are oh, you a feminist? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I agree with feminism, but I don't label myself as a feminist. And I was just like... Dif- talking to men about feminism is literally like talking and explaining to to white people about, pri- like, white privilege. Mm-hmm. I just will not do it. Like, I will not do it. Like, the fact <laughs> that, like... I will not do it like I will not participate Mm -hmm. because I'm like the fact that I have to explain to you what this is and try to convince you like I just will not do it like I'm not going to convince people to be feminist or to that feminism isn't radical radical, whatever that means or that like white privilege doesn't mean that you as a white person don't stuff I won't do it no No. I I feel the same I'm tired I don't do it anymore (laughs) yeah I think it's it's not hard I think it's just so like highlights the privilege that people already have and I'm just like I'm not going to beg you to to look outside of the world that you live in and be considerate of like the issues that other people face but also like um how did you I mean I know that like when we talk about feminism it's only like recently that like this idea of intersectional feminism has been spoken about like in a mainstream sense Mm -hmm. kind of like how did you decide for yourself that that's kind of the route that you wanted to go down in in feminism? Well I think I've obviously you know growing up in a mixed family race has always been something that's very conscious to me um I think growing up and then becoming a feminine and identifying as a feminist there were sort of times when I realized that my experiences as a mixed race woman aren't going to be the same as the experiences of a black woman or a white woman or a woman from a certain economic background or one with a disability or a trans woman that our lives are all so so different like we all have these common experiences but you know if I was talking about something that happened to me as a mixed race woman my white female friends would be like oh wow I never realized that was an issue for you I think that was sort of the time when I realized that 
there needs to be some kind of more diverse, inclusive way of talking about feminism that is more accessible to different kinds of women, because maybe one of the reasons why people don't choose to identify as feminists is because they don't see it as inclusive. Um, so the reason why I identify as an intersectional feminist is because I think it's, you know, very important to understand that we all have different experiences and it's time to try and be more inclusive and try and fight that fight together because, you know, that's the only way we're going to try and get things to be a bit more on equal grounds for everyone. Like, how do you navigate this idea of, like, obviously being a mixed race woman and having privilege in society in comparison to, say, black women, but also navigating the struggle and maybe the identity crisis that might come mm-hmm. being a mixed race woman? A hundred percent. I think because growing up, I'm, I'm honestly, none of my friends are mixed race. I don't think I've ever really had any mixed race friends. So it wasn't something that I ever really got to talk about with other people. You know, it could be quite confusing at times um, just because I saw myself very much as a mix. Like I didn't particularly identify with being white. I didn't particularly identify with being black. I was just me. Um, but then as I grew up and I understood things like racism and colorism um, and how sort of particularly the way um, mixed race women, light skinned women are fetishized compared to the demonization to be honest of black women um, was something that really quite upset me to be honest um especially so my my mum's black um and you know I like I love my mum I mean I love being black but I'm like (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness like I understand the struggle of being a black woman so I think having such a role model like my mum and seeing so or any 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 black woman to be honest and seeing the kind of tropes and recognizing those tropes and stereotypes through the media and like tv shows music videos, stuff like that, I sort of started to realise that, you know, these women are not being treated like other women. And as much as I understood, you know, being mixed race, you know, isn't great at times, that there is a whole other dimension that black women face that needs to be recognised and understood. I'm trying to think of sort of the first time I kind of realised it, but I think maybe it was in certain TV programmes where you always have the black female character, but she'd always be of a very light skin tone. There was never any dark skinned women. And I think it just sort of made me realise that there's this complete washing out of strong black female characters that don't fall into some kind of trope. Um, So I just think... From that I understood that being mixed race had its privileges whereas in the past I thought it only had hindrances and complications but then you know growing up I understood more that there were a lot of struggles that I wasn't having to face because I was of light skin. So when people meet you I'm just curious about your experience do they identify you as like mixed immediately or do they identify you as black or other or is it white like where do people like perceive you on the scale as being 
and how do they treat you? Because how people see you, how people see you is how they treat you. So do yeah. they treat you as black, mixed, or white? It's always been very varied. Like I know one time um, there was a conversation in sort of a high school classroom where some people were debating my race. Um, and they were sort of they asked, oh, Hannah, do you feel like you're more white or more black? And I was just like, I have no idea what that means. And they were like, well, we think you're more white because you speak posh and you're smart. And I was just like, oh, they have microaggressive. <laughs> I was, I literally did, I don't think I even said anything. I probably I think I probably just walked away. Um, I think, honestly, I don't know. I think most of the time people, because I am sort of well-spoken, well a lot of people probably associate me as being um, quite posh, quite upper class, um, which isn't the case. But I think, I mean, so when I first moved to Leeds, a lot of my friends thought that I was South Asian. Um, so I've had it all really. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think I've had quite a lot of varied responses because I think when people see a brown skin tone there's so many possibilities so many exotic places that I could be from um yeah yeah that word can... exotic oh yeah dear. <laughs> <laughs> like oh dear <laughs> <laughs> that like that code those racial codes like oh um no honestly I, I find this interesting because I think that like um when it comes to like black women and um because of colorism in, in black culture when it comes to black women and, and mixed women it's almost this kind of like separation um and i think that like we're often in culture and especially in our communities we're often pitted against each other so we don't often like work together i don't know what we're competing for but i think that like black people are all since slavery anyway have been pitted against each other and it's almost a competition to survive and I dare, dare I say to assimilate and have a proximity to whiteness so that we can then receive the benefits which are I guess I don't know what they are <laughs> just living I suppose um but for you what do you think is like kind of an imp one of the most important takeaways from kind of just your experience with your identity I think one of the most important takeaways is to just be comfortable with it. Like I can't change who I, I, I would never want to change who I am. And I understand that there's a lot of complications that come with being mixed race that I never really had the opportunity to think about until I got maybe to like 18 or something. And there was times where I'd look at, I look back at like comments that were made years ago and sort of start to understand them and realize how that had an impact on how I saw myself and how it made me very, very confused with my identity when I was younger. Um, but at the same time, as I've gotten older, I've realised that there are a lot of privileges that come with being mixed race as well. I mean, obviously no one likes to be fetishised, but um, yeah, I think I understand a lot more how it is a privilege. The lighter skin you have, the more privilege you have. It is, it is true and there's no way you can argue with it. So I think coming to terms with your privilege can be hard, but it's something that you need to recognise and understand and deal with and talk about. Um, so, yeah, I think it's my in terms of my 
racial identity I'm very happy being mixed I love being mixed race you know I love to tell people my heritage um I love being seen with my mum and my dad I love the shock on people's faces when my dad introduces me as his daughter because he's like this middle-aged white man and I'm this little brown girl and everyone's always like that's your daughter and I'm like yeah (laughs) so um I love being mixed but um at the same time I, you know, I know it's very, very important for me to acknowledge colorism and racism and the way that mixed race women and black women are pitted against each other, which is something that I absolutely hate. Like whenever I see on social media, there's like four images of black women on Twitter or something. It's like, okay, pick out your favorite and all the comments pick out the light skinned woman. And it's just yeah, insane. So yeah. I think in America, like, dare I say, it's a bigger issue than it is here. Because mm-hmm. here, there's not that many people that are, was, have black anyway. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like you just all have to, like, mixed race, whether you're mixed race or you're black, you you have to come together because yeah. there's not that many of you. Definitely. And I think a lot of people, a lot of mixed race people choose to identify more with their their black side, not mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily like their white side or their other side, merely because that's how people identify them. Yeah. And um, we have such a narrow idea of Britishness mm-hmm. and because of, you know, like uh, the monarchy and colonization and, you know, the one drop rule. And I mean, look at Meghan Markle. Mm-hmm. Um, in he- like here, like if, it's like if you're not all white, you're black, you know, yeah. like, and that's just how it is in England. But I think in, in America, it's a, more of a, um even more complex than mm-hmm. it than it is here but for you Hannah I'm just wondering so you're in your second year third year third year oh incredible so what like what's next for you what's next for me um so I recently had a bit of a career realization like for a very long time I had no idea what I wanted to do um, I sort of nothing that I could think of seemed to stick for very long um, but quite recently I realized that I would like to go into psychotherapy and counseling um, so I'm thinking hopefully in the future I'll be able to do a master's um, get some training get some experience and you know I just I've been through the counseling therapist's journey quite a few times now myself and I know that each time it's really really helped me and I just I'd really like to be able to do that for other people and I think it'd be such a rewarding experience so yeah I'm looking forward to that just like one more question because it just reminded me of a question but um therapy mental health in the black community what are your thoughts on that (laughs) (laughs) I think um I think there are so many specific issues in a certain kind of black trauma is something that's very very interesting to me because I think there's something like particularly around the whole Black Lives Matter movement George Floyd's death that was a certain obviously all around the world there were a lot of reactions to it but amongst the black community um, and I know my me myself felt this very intense grief which isn't something that you can really understand unless you're from that community I don't think and I think seeing all the backlash against that and all the debates around it and people debating your existence your right to be your identity was so disturbing so I think it's incredibly important that there is some kind of support for black people in particular um, in terms of coming 
and realizing that grief and talking about it and having a space to talk about it because it, it, you know when you think about some random person dying in America you think that would have no impact on your daily life but it has a huge impact and even I'm not even I don't even identify as black now it had a huge impact on me um especially the backlash from it so I think it's it's going to be really important more than ever to have some kind of support for black people to talk about these things in a way that's not going to have negative reactions like I think one of the issues is when they talk when people talk about having specific support or benefits for black people people just go oh why do they need it why are they getting all these benefits (laughs) it's like I mean you don't we don't want these benefits we don't don't (laughs) want to have to have the support but we do so I think that's like all lives matter I'm thinking okay let's count all the votes then (laughs) it's all matter but anyway (laughs) thank you so much Hannah for being here I think you're lovely um and yeah hopefully we'll see you soon and hopefully we'll see what you get up to but yes thank you again thank you so much I just want to thank Hannah one more time for coming on to our podcast and for being willing to be interviewed. She is incredible and she's amazing. And Hannah, if you're hearing this, I want you to know that that is absolutely true. And this conversation would not have been what it is and what it was without you. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in every single week and being so amazingly supportive and for willing, for being willing to engage in such difficult and sometimes uncomfortable conversations because that is what we're all about so see you next week for some more difficult conversations